0: This is the Two Marketeers podcast, where hosts and marketing experts Sean Patrick and Lindsay Waugh seek to uncover what makes brands so powerful and how they impact modern society and culture. Two Marketeers, they've got a podcast for Two Marketeers.
1: Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, folks.
0: This is my co-host, Lindsay B. Waugh.
1: I've got allergies, so I have a radio voice today. And this is my co-host, Sean Patrick.
0: I do love that about having a cold. It brings that baritone. How are you? It's April 20th. We've all experienced here in Toronto an early spring, and with that... Apparently, the cherry blossoms are in full bloom.
1: allergy season, folks.
0: (laughs) Lindsay is a tad sniffly. It's
1: all good, baby. It's all good.
0: Can I just say what? I just need to let the listeners know what a struggle it's been to get us to where we are right now.
1: (laughs) In general or today?
0: In in general (laughs) and in particular, the last 24 hours.
1: Mostly in general.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is just I set myself up. Let's move on. Please. Let's talk about what's happening.
1: Sean, what's happening?
0: The Bud Light boycott.
1: Mm hmm. Controversy.
0: Controversy. Um, for so many reasons, but essentially what happened uh, in mid-March during March Madness, They decided during March Madness, when typically the promotion or the planning would be something about how are we going to deeper engage young adult males at a time when they're all about basketball and March Madness. What they did is they did this little influencer partnership with someone called Dylan Mulvaney. And Dylan Mulvaney is a trans woman. They did this fun little partnership with her and on social because she's very well known there where they basically gave her a bunch of Bud Light and wanted her to promote a contest, so she did it. And wow, provocative, it sure was.
1: Can I ask you you what the contest, what was the contest, do you know? It's okay if you
0: don't. Yeah, well, I'll I'll put the article in the notes, but coming from marketing, it was when's the last time the promotion of a contest was big, right? So Mm -hmm. it was really interesting that, but that was so secondary. I think they were testing the waters. That's what I was hoping what came out was a lot of news around Bud Light majorly screwed the pooch on this, you know, and it created this, what I'll say, official, unofficial boycott by the Republican Party in the US. So basically, that was all the news. And the only thing is, is what exactly are they hoping for? What are they trying to do? long-term meaning bud light
1: as a brand or Republicans,
0: Republican, the, the, the haters, right? Like, what's oh, what their, are the haters? Hoping what's their for? MO? Okay. So you gotcha. say you boycott bud, but okay. And, and it got very political literally, right? Like some pretty high up politicians, uh, made some pretty strong stances and basically bud messed up, you know, as a brand, they completely screwed up was the news. And what they said was pretty lame, was kind of the, the gist of that side of the news. And essentially mm-hmm. their, mes- their message was from this, I think it was the CEO, it was never our intention to divide people because we are all about bringing people together. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They are showing everyone the power of a brand and how important it is to use it wisely
1: please expand.
0: I don't know an industry I've worked in where they have more insight and data about their market. My opinion is they knew what they were doing and they're holding true and they're using their brand to communicate where they're going.
1: Yeah. What's What's interesting about that is in that scenario, brands typically have one of two reactions. They do something that is a statement and there's a polarizing reaction. And then they either say, yeah, we believe in this, or they say, we didn't mean to offend anybody. (laughs) So it's interesting the, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see if they continue to stand behind that the decision that they made to create that campaign, or if they will continue to kind of backtrack and say like, hey, we didn't mean to, do anything that was gonna offend anybody, please still buy our beer.
0: Yep, we all take risks. And you can take risks with a brand when your brand has a solid strategic foundation. Yeah, yes. (laughs) Arguable. This
1: could be an episode. I have so many opinions, I'm holding
0: back about this right now. (laughs) That's why I made it of what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, okay,
1: let's move forward, let's move
0: forward. What have you got, Lindsay?
1: mine's a lot more lighthearted but just such an interesting thing i saw i posted this on linkedin as well so we can check it out there but um i don't know if you saw it when i posted it but so you may have an opinion as well but the a bookstore in the uae did a really really fascinating campaign that was like a physical kind of demonstration of the time spent on social media and how that time could be better spent reading books
0: I saw it. I loved it. Did you
1: see this? Yeah. Yeah. So their kind of purpose and mission is like they believe that the world needs more readers. So what they did was they surveyed the people who shop at their bookstore and they asked them how much time they spend on social media. And then they took the amount of time that they spend on social media and they equated it by platform to the amount of books those people could be reading instead. Right, And then they did a digital campaign of it. So showing how much time you spend on Instagram and a day or a year and how many books that would equate to. And then they did physical installations of them all over the place. And it's such a beautiful, simple, but such an impactful idea and statement um, that also had a massive impact on their sales. So it really, really worked for them. Uh, and we can include the link as well in this episode, but yeah, check it out. It's, I found it in the contagious report, but it was done by uh, Sachi and Sachi, So yeah, a very, very cool use of data and visual impact to show people the effect social media is having on how they choose to spend their time and how perhaps that time can be better spent doing something else like reading.
0: I loved it. I think I uh, gave you an, a light bulb. Ooh, thank yeah.
1: you the most coveted reaction
0: i know what you covet
1: Oh, i can sleep easy tonight i mean and it's like from a creative standpoint people always think it's gotta what's the big idea yes. this is such a smart but impactful idea
0: it's just one idea right like it's just a fun little way to reinforce your bigger idea your bigger thinking mm-hmm. right and we love those
1: well that's a great segue into our topic for today Just one idea. Yeah.
0: Uh, So we started this episode talking about struggle. Interestingly enough, this morning I was on LinkedIn and I saw content from Simon Sinek, who I, it's a love-hate relationship. I think it's because I'm jealous (laughs) because he's so good at what he does. Um, So I get annoyed by that. (laughs) Talks about, The struggle and why it resonated with me was because last week our whole or last episode our whole topic was about our struggle we didn't go in talking about that we're going to talk about our our experience with tiktok and the fail that ensued but lindsay said at the end you know it's okay to struggle like it's okay to fail
1: the other part i forgot to say was it sucks (laughs) but it's okay (laughs) And I posted that on yesterday where I said it's okay to fail on LinkedIn. And I forgot to add, it completely sucks. Okay. It also sucks, but it's okay to do.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And that's why we jokingly say it was a fail, but it was also a success in that now we know why it's not time to do that idea. And it's all about this struggle and as a creative and as a strategist, that I've done both those things, Um, I have struggled in interesting ways, uh, life ways and work ways. And the learning I would give any of my students for 20 years, I, I helped live their struggle with them. But the wisdom I could give them was one way to reduce that struggle is falling out of love. Falling out of love with your brilliant idea. Lindsay is shaking her head, preaching to the choir. Yeah. And from the creative side, it's like, you got to fall out of love. And it's not just for creatives, it's for everyone. Um, I can't tell you. And I used to just, you know, someone in my position would get a lot of conversations from colleagues, high up business people. And it's like, I have the best idea and I want you. I want to hear what you think, the amount of times <laughs> that I would have to come home and be like, I just heard the worst idea and I don't know what to do.
1: <laughs> it's hard because ideas are intoxicating and the energy of a new idea, you're like, yeah, let's do it. Like you say, it's not just for creative people. It's for anyone. You could be like, I'm yes. going join a tennis league and start a bakery and I'm just... <laughs> like newness is intoxicating. You just want to be around it. You want to be doing new things. You want to have ideas it makes you feel alive. And then you have to just
0: pull that plug. Mm-hmm. I've said it many times. I have to say it to myself repeatedly and it it is truly, I believe, wisdom from um, just it's that whole iteration. It's that whole approach to innovation. It's that whole approach to design as a designer. It was hard because, you know, I have two of my children are in what I would say, creative are going towards creative careers. And I I've said to them, you know, from my experience as a designer, everything you do is criticized. When you go to design school, you don't hand in assignments. You post them in front of everyone, you talk about them, and you have to listen to them.
1: And they get ripped to shreds.
0: (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I think that's probably the strongest muscle you have to build because as creative, because as creatives, especially professional creatives, you get in a stance of defending. And what Mm -hmm. you start having to realize is that's not wrong, but what part of it are you defending? What, you know, and that's about, you defend it through the thought process that got you here.
1: It's so interesting because uh, like I went to design school and I was just over the Christmas break home at my parents' house and they were pulling out old things from my like university days that I'd worked on and I was showing them to my kids. And the things I remember of looking at those pieces was what people said about them, the stress of presenting them, like going in front of people, talk, like having to objectively stand back from your passion and your work and have other people talk about it. Yeah. Be traumatized. <laughs> 25 years later, whatever it is, what they said.
0: Yes. How are you doing on that there, Lindsay?
1: Fidget spinner. Spin it away.
0: It's just test and learn, test and learn, test and learn. Um, and I've always had accelerated learning, not as a student, but as a teacher, because essentially my job was to look at their ideas and give feedback. My approach was the feedback I give you is great idea, not for this. And I think it's that whole idea of when I got into what I did, and you know when I wanted to be a creative director, not in digital as you know old school designer, and I'm going to move up to art director, and then I'm going to be a creative director one day um my job was to come up with the best idea that's essentially the pressure that the industry was putting on us and that's what I took that is a very uncomfortable place to be and what you start to have to learn is how do I adjust my process so I don't have to worry so much about the idea being great what I have to do is stay true to my process and a great idea or a great approach will come.
1: It's the same in strategy where people would say your job is to be the smartest person in the room. Do you know what that yep. does to people? <laughs> like, like not, not really. If your job, if you, like you say, if you adjust your process, right. to be able to account for that vulnerability and not have that be the pressure you put on yourself, then that's the key, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's so interesting to hear it from your standpoint.
1: So tie tie it back to the idea of like filtering through your great ideas or or narrowing down great. to your great ideas.
0: Yeah, I think it comes to that point of when you feel that vulnerability, the first thing you need to do is recognize it. Or you're like, OK, I'm freaking out here. Right. And it, you will freak out. Last week was an example of how we were freaking out. I quickly my experience and when I try something that wasn't the right approach, I kind of step back and typically I've gone too deep right it's when you feel that you're the solution, the idea is is actually if you're open to thinking it's not right right now is the first step, you have to be okay with questioning. This great idea. And it's a real, like it's a struggle, but it's that idea of understand the struggle is good. But the beauty of the struggle is at every point, whenever you feel yourself like negative, whenever this is exhausting you, this is taking far more time than I needed to, this isn't working. It's about knowing when that little voice in you says this isn't working, but it's about being okay with you're gonna have a lot of ideas. In this industry, your job is to have ideas, not just creative, not just strategy, especially now when you see agencies is, you know, I've talked to teams from all over the country and they all have a very important piece of their role is to be creative based on understanding or gathering intelligence or any kind of insight. And I think that's where it's a lot easier to do, but we have to do it. It could be like, for me, it's very literal, like, You come up with a logo design, they might hate it, and they're the ones paying right, so the process is typically round one of design is either a bunch of rounds or maybe even coming back and saying, this is what you asked for. May I make a few expert suggestions before we go down that route.
1: Yeah. I think what you're talking about is this idea of discovery. So like if you are a mm. creative person or a strategy person in the marketing and advertising industry, when you get a new brief or a new project or a new problem, there's always going to be this time frame of discovery where everyone is just running loose. They're lo- and looking around. <laughs> you know, you're looking around and that's I think where a lot of the vulnerability that you've been talking about comes in in that when people are looking around to solve a particular problem, they're looking for certain information, but in the, during that discovery process, you may come across information that you didn't even know that you were looking for. And so coming out of discovery, There's a million thoughts, a million ideas, a million different paths in which you could go down based on what you've now learned about the problem you're trying to solve, about the category you're playing in, about the audiences that you're trying to engage. And so that type of discovery produces a million different ways in, and a million different ideas, and a million different thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then I think when you're feeling that kind of overwhelmed feeling of, there's just a lot of information and a lot of things that we could do is when you start to get into that narrowing down process. And for me, it always takes those ideas and pressure tests them back against the business objective that we are trying trying to solve for. What is the thing that we are trying to do? So although you may have 40 ideas that based on culture or based on the target or based on social media or based on whatever seem like they would be a really, really brilliant idea, is doing that thing going to help you achieve the results that you're looking for? And if yeah. not, if it's a brilliant idea, you put it in your brilliant idea bucket for later, where all of these things kind of go to, I was going to say where ideas go to die, but perhaps they go to rest for now because yeah. they are great ideas and they are things that you can bring back up later. So. Like when you say you're trying to narrow down these ideas and get to the right thing of what you're trying to do, for me, it's really pressure testing it back up against the business objective. Even as a creative, is this beautiful idea going to help us get us where we need to go? And do we need to do that thing to achieve that objective or do we just want to do it because it sounds like a really fun thing to do? And a lot of times in advertising, we just want to do some ideas that are really fun ideas to do on big brands that have big budgets and cool audiences. But is that going to achieve the business result that you're looking for? And that's when you start to put ideas to rest and bring forward the ideas that are really going to help you get there.
0: Yep. Struggle. Struggling on.
1: (laughs) That's our job, is it not?
0: It is, the struggle is our job. So learn to get really good at managing it and seeing it.
1: And the key is to connect the the ideas as puzzle pieces to, again, achieve the objective. And so not all of those puzzle pieces are gonna fit. You have to be able to set them aside for a different puzzle.
0: Awesome. Anything else? That's it. And we made it. The struggle continues.
1: Struggle is real, but apparently it's fine. So all good.
0: Enjoy the struggle. Have a wonderful day.
1: You too. Take care. Bye, Lindsay. (laughs) Bye. Bye, Marketeers. Thanks for listening to the Two Marketeers podcast. New episodes launch
0: every two weeks. Find the Two Marketeers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you like to listen. And be sure to rate and subscribe.
1: Listen on our website, thetwomarketeers.ca Or you can ask Alexa to play the Two Marketeers podcast.
0: Want to keep in touch? Follow the Two Marketeers on LinkedIn or at Two Marketeers on TikTok. We've always got something to share.
1: This podcast is over.